0: It's the Auburn Observer podcast, the weekend edition, game recap edition, the final one of these for the season, and boy, do we have a game and a finish to talk about. Uh, Justin Ferguson here in Auburn. It happened again. Longtime listeners will know that at least once a year, once a football season, I get like really a really bad sinus issue, and I sound like this on the podcast. So you're welcome, question mark. Or so? there was a year where people said I sounded better with this voice. So maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, But I'm here in Auburn, also in Auburn, Dan Pack of the Dan Pack Radio Network. Hello, Dan.
1: Hello, Justin. I hope you feel well. Um, you know, oh, yeah, it's, you, just... you, it's not it's not too noticeable uh, in your voice. But yeah, if, if it's something that happens every football season, it got in j- just in time uh, here for the... Uh... Uh, for, for the regular uh, football season, far from over. Uh, and, but uh, but I yeah, hope hope you're feeling well and hope I hope everyone's feeling well. Uh, who's uh, who's listening to this because it's uh, as much uh, as we, they can feel well. Yeah, we got we got a uh, we, we got a we got a tough one to try to uh, to try to chew on here.
0: Also joining us, as always, editor, engineer, renaissance man from the pit. Painter Sharpless painter. Friend. I don't. I don't, I don't know where to really begin with this one.
2: Yeah, obviously a toughie. I'm curious to know off the top of y'all's heads, is there a play that's going to be forgotten about or lost in the shuffle of this game because so much happened late?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the big footnote to me is going to be, and we'll talk about it probably later in the show, Alabama, Auburn ran the ball on Alabama again. Like, we were looking at it last night. I can't find the last time Auburn has run for 200 yards in back-to-back games against Alabama, back-to-back years against Alabama. Um, they, they they only did it in 13, and then they did not do it again until 2022. They do it again on Saturday. Um, you know, game do you, blocks... Do you have,
1: in front of go- you, do you, do you have how many 200-yard performances there were during the six-game win streak in the 2000s? I, w- I wonder if, if it was even...
0: Yeah like, no yeah yeah no I do have that and I can go all the way back to '95 and there is no other instance of back to back 200 yard performances from Auburn. The best guess I have and uh, Matt Cohen and Al.com and I were talking about this last night on Twitter. The best guess I have is so Bo ran for over 200 in the 83 game and then Auburn ran the ball well in 82 in the Bo over the top game. Now I, I Bo ran for like a buck 40 that game. I somewhere around that I. I I don't know where the final line ended up in that one, but again, so wild that this Auburn team has been able to run like this against Alabama. I think that says a lot about where Auburn is. And I think it says a lot about where Alabama is and no, one's going to be talking about that. No, one's going to really think about that, even though it's something we might not have, we may have not seen this in 40 years in terms of Auburn doing that. Uh, But of course, you're going to talk about the finish. You're going to talk about the way this one ended. Um, Auburn losing 27 24 to Alabama in the Iron Bowl. Guys, like I said, no one should be surprised by Auburn doing this, by Auburn playing well in a home Iron Bowl. This is just what happens more often than not. And even with a slow start, Auburn really took it to Alabama, played them evenly for four quarters, had a real shot to win. And of course, the last two plays, the two big plays in the fourth quarter, a muff punt and a fourth and goal from the 31 that Alabama converts and wins on that's what everyone's going to talk about that's what's going to be st- that's what's going to stick around forever and it's the difference between you know it's it's the difference between having a, a win and an upset knocking Alabama out of the, out of the playoff uh, out of playoff contention launching yourself into the offseason i mean i think Auburn got a lot accomplished yesterday in terms of playing well and putting on a show, and especially with the recruits in attendance. But the thing that goes down in the record books and the things that the bragging rights and what people care about are the wins and losses. And for the second straight time in Jordan, Auburn should have beaten Alabama, should have knocked him off, and they didn't. And that is going to sting for a very, very long time for fans, for players, for coaches involved. There's a lot to get to here. But the first thing is just like you had it and you lost it, and that's that's the thing that's going to really haunt Auburn for a while. It's it's not like they just pr- – it's not like they didn't show that they didn't belong on the field. It's like the Georgia game as well. The gap might not be as big as we think, especially if Auburn plays, you know, to the caliber that they can play. And, yeah, there are issues with this team, and, they, you know, it, they, it wasn't clean. It wasn't perfect by any means, but they just could not make enough plays in the fourth quarter, and they were on the wrong end of – two huge plays in the fourth quarter to lose against Alabama. Obviously couldn't hold on against Georgia either in in, in a similar fashion. It's brutal. It it is brutal because, you know, year one was never going to be determined solely by the wins and losses, but you had two opportunities, including this one, where you just had it, I mean, in the palm of your hand, um, to to get a big win and to really launch the thing, and and it it just
1: slips right out. I don't know, to answer Painter's question, I don't know if there's a single play that comes to mind where that play is going to lose significance because of the way the game ended. Maybe the touchdown to VAR to give Auburn the lead, the passing touchdown, you know, would be a play that if Auburn had won this game, suddenly becomes, you know, a, a signature play because it was the, the go-ahead touchdown in the, in, the, uh, in, in the biggest Iron Bowl upset ever uh but but no yeah i think i think what what could be lost in the shuffle because the shadow of the game winning play is so huge what what could be lost in that is uh is how well auburn played for you know for for 3 quarters and 13 minutes right like it really i mean the the way i mean especially for folks who were worried this was going to be the biggest loss in in an iron bowl at Jordan Hare ever. Like the way Auburn continued after a bad start, you know, for all the talk of, oh, it's got to be a hot start for Auburn. I mean, Auburn's when Auburn's punting the ball the second time, you know, you you don't feel like it's been a hot start whatsoever for Auburn and the crowd sort of reflected it. So I think there's a lot about this game and there have been Auburn games like this before that Auburn wins, but this this is a game where th- there's there's a lot to get to but unfortunately i think history is probably going to remember first and foremost the game winning play we have at auburn we've especially for the last decade like we've we've known what it's like to be on the winning side of one of the most famous plays in college football history sure. and As, as last night progressed after the game, it sort of occurred to me like now, now we get, now we get to where, you know, now, now the shoes on the other foot because I feel like now we're, now we're on the losing side of one of the most famous plays in college football history and a play that we're probably going to see a lot moving forward, you know, replayed in, in, uh in all the in all the video packages and stuff as as a as an important historic play.
0: Well, especially if Alabama you know, beats Georgia this weekend and makes it back to the playoff, this this becomes their kick six like moment. You know, that, that especially doing it in Jordan Hare. Um because it you know it gave them a chance to stay in the college football playoff hunt. And they still have national title aspirations after this one. All right. You gotta get to it. Fourth and fourth and goal from the thirty one. Um this one is going to be I think you freeze said after the game, uh you can second guess it. And I will say you can second guess it, third guess it, fourth guess it, fifth guess it, 155 guess it. It's gonna be guessed from here to eternity. Um Auburn, so Auburn has a situation where they get handed free yardage, a lot of free yardage. Second down, there's a there's a bad snap to Milrow. He loses a lot. Third down, he throws it past the line of scrimmage, which he did for twice in this game, which was really, really bizarre. Um,
1: fourth and goal from the thirty-one. Can I just can I say before we before we get into the fourth and goal analysis? Sure. Personally, and I wanted I want to know your thoughts too, Justin. Yeah. Like, like this, I think after the third and goal uh, penalty, mm-hmm. I had been apprehensive about whether or not Auburn was actually going to win the game. Like I'd been I'd been burned too many times. I think the third and goal penalty was the first time I actually opened up to the possibility that Auburn was going to actually win the game. Like, that was the moment for me. The penalty on third down was the moment for me where it's like, you know, and I I don't know, like, by win probability, I don't know where it shifted to, like, clear advantage Auburn. I would think it was when when Milrose. It was the fumble it was the fumble on the snap yeah. before and then and yeah. then and then they it was, make cuz yeah.
0: then it's third cuz then it's third and a mile and and on that third and a mile play
1: he can probably get the first down without throwing the ball right like he's got a no, clear it's gold.
0: it's goal it's, gold. it's oh, gold, and yeah, and gold. yeah he's
1: end goal but but he's got he's got yardage uh you know in, in in front of him if he doesn't if he doesn't let that thing go so you're right it was kind of a a puzzling play and then and then it set up fourth down
0: yeah i was on the sidelines and there was somebody that we were talking to, I was talking to after, you know, during the game and it was like 4th and 31 and both of us kind of looked at each other and and this other person who I've known for a while um, works for Auburn and just looked at me and said it's not over yet and it's like, yeah, I mean I so I guess that kind of conversation made me be like, yeah it isn't over yet, you've still got to make that play at the end and you're right it is going to be a situation that is nine million guests uh for for from now on so auburn has alabama's got a score they've got to go 31 yards on this play to win the game there's no, there's nothing else that can happen uh, without a pit without a penalty or something like that
1: that's but, that was my other fear I, I actually thought that it was if you'd asked me which was more likely i sure. would have guessed well
0: so there was yeah. so here's the thing all right i'm going to go off a little bit here on a tangent ESPN's analytics, their their win probability system is insane. And it's just, it's so hyper-reactive. And I think it's because it makes for better charts and better graphics. And it's like a TV thing. It said Auburn had a 99.9% chance to win before, before that play. All right, you're telling me that out of a 1,000 times, only one ends with an Alabama touchdown there with Alabama win? No, grow up. Give me, uh, no. Uh,
1: well, not just an Alabama touchdown either, Justin. Like you're right. Like I, I was more concerned in the moment, if you'd asked me what was more like Sure, they could get a penalty. They could before, get closer. If, yeah. If you would ask me, and I think I think I said this to Bill Cameron beforehand, like I was more concerned about Alabama drawing a pass interference call that would have led to sure. an automatic first down than I was of 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 Jalen Milro throwing a 31-yard touchdown in that moment. I thought of the two, I thought a pass interference call that continued the drive. Was more likely than a touchdown, and instead, yeah. in, instead you got uh, you got what you got. Game on paper had it at four point three percent. That makes more sense to me. That makes more sense in my head. So we'll we'll go one in twenty, that. you know, one in twenty five, yeah. something like that, that. Yeah,
0: we'll go We'll go with that one. Uh, Auburn decides to rush just two on this play and spy a third. Now we will and have eight in coverage. Now we will get to every aspect of of this of this call and this decision. They rush two. Why is that significant? Well, he's got to throw the ball thirty-one yards. Melrose got to throw the ball at least thirty-one yards. I mean, he could throw it short and run underneath, but that's a tougher. That's a tougher thing. He's going to the end zone here. Um, by rushing two, you're you're basically not you're basically guaranteeing that they're not going to get like Melrose is going to have time to throw the ball. It's two on five, in that case each rusher can be double teamed and you have a man floating around to spare like that that is you could have put shoot you could have put prime jj watt and you know aaron donald out there and like those guys are probably still not going to get to the quarterback two on five very often if ever the third one was a spy and so i i, I to i will never understand the spy decision to me because of the situation. Now, Jalen Miller had run for more than 100 yards in this game. He had been really slippery. He had done a great job of escaping. Auburn had spied you know, a, a decent bit during the game and had mixed results with it. Jalen Miller would have had to run 31 yards through everybody to get there. Because in the way Auburn was playing defense on the back end, everybody's looking to the backfield and, you know, your, your head up. like No one's got their head turned. You He would have had to have run through everybody who made, made a beeline for the ball. That is statistically a lot more improbable to scramble for 31 yards in the touchdown than if to throw the ball for 31 yards in the touchdown. So you're giving him time to throw it. You're basically playing 11 on 10 in this situation because that spy is not going to do a ton in this in this one if he's not rushing and he hung back. So it's already a call that does not compute with me because if you would have rushed them, if you'd have rushed more guys, it forces Milrow potentially to get the ball out of his hands quicker, not get it to the end zone, all that 30 yards is enough to throw the ball. It's like a short Hail Mary, but as people have pointed out, he had time to drive the ball because Milrow, that was a dime that he threw. He threw a strike to the end zone because he could, because he was close enough to still have that opportunity. So the fact that Auburn didn't pressure there, is pretty peculiar to me. The spy is just—I'll admit it—baffling. All that to say, it's still five on eight on the other side. You still have the numbers game. It looks like it's some sort of like man up three deep. You have three deep safeties. You have you're you're, you're running with a man across the five. There, they're doing all the stuff. Free said it. You got to. He said, you know, you play with vision. Just play with vision. Make a play on the ball. And knock it down. So even if it's like, okay, he's got to throw it to the end zone. He's got to throw it in the end zone. You would think with at least an extra defender there. And the fact that Isaiah Bond got a one-on-one situation with DJ James, who played a great game to that point. He got in a one-on-one situation with DJ James. He got behind him. And he was able to still make the play in the back of the end zone. I mean, it's, it's a combination of, I don't know what happened with the call. And then you didn't execute it on the back end either. And it's like one of those double whammies there where Auburn did not, did not call a call that made the most sense in that situation. Also, you get a situation, you get a situation there for Auburn uh, where you don't execute the thing that you wanted to do on the back end, which is have more guys back there to help out. It it becomes one-on-one. It becomes a jump ball. Did Isaiah Bond push off? Potentially, but they're not going to call that there. They're not going to call that there. And, and, and keep in mind, Auburn had played aggressive, handsy defense in the back end all game. And there were some cornerback plays that DJ James made and Nehemiah Pritchett made some breakups. That like They got there early hand fight. Football, credit to the referees. They just let the dudes play. And on that last play, they let them play again. And Alabama came out with with the with the um, with the win there. I'll I'll point out uh, something. Let's see, Freeze said, uh, "You can pressure them, and then you get one on ones, and they throw it up." Sure, like that's something about not not pressuring them. But even and you say you worried about busting the coverage and guy gets loose, touchdown. There you go. All right, even then, Russian four. You can still get some get get some safety help in the back. Rushing five, you can still get a little bit of help. Or rushing just another guy and not spying them could have at least a three man three man rush against five man. It could work a li- it, the chances of, of working a little bit better. But the problem is, is that you call this call to avoid the one on ones, and you still get a one on one, and you come out on the wrong end of it. And that, I mean, all those all those factors had to come in. And then Milrow had to make a good throw. And then Bond had to make an incredible catch. Both those guys made insane plays there. And that's what it took for, for, for it all to work. So it is a very low percentage play. Auburn did not help itself out with the call or with the way it was executed. And that's what I think is going to be the most frustrating thing of it all is that everybody can look at it. When you when you give up fourth and goal from the 31 in a, in a game-winning situation, and then all you got to do is just... just get a stop that's an everybody thing everybody's got to look at themselves in the mirror after that one
1: is there because you pour over the numbers like uh like like few others justin is, is there a number again not to not to suggest we know uh the correct call for ron roberts but is there a number when auburn has brought pressure that has that has worked at a higher rate than, than others do you get the yeah, sense that are that's, that's hard as a, to determine. like yeah. as, as Auburn as a, as a as a team bringing four, I mean, they bringing five or bringing six like I mean just just because the decision to bring you can talk about second guessing sure. in the moment the uh, in the in the press box of Bill Cameron I'm I'm you know we're both wondering like where where's the where's the pass rush like the as p- as the play is unfolding it's, I mean yeah. it's, it's
0: the, you know they 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 drop back they drop back the spies basically just like, like you're taking a guy away for a very statistically improbable situation there uh very very improbable situation but like yeah i mean
1: they I would had... think like when auburn brings five or when auburn brings six you know like you know the the, the notion of is there a is there a blitz that had been uh d-
0: yeah that's that's hard to determine I sure mean,
1: I'm, uh, but I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious about like you know where where the uh
0: to the, to your point though in this game I'm looking at PFF now. Uh, when blitzed, uh, Jalen yeah. Milrow was one of six and uh, was pressured nine times. He did scramble uh, on a few of those throws. Um, when he wasn't blitzed, he was pretty dadgum effective, fifteen to eighteen. Um, and he you know obviously he, he ran a good bit and scrambled as well. Um, yeah, I mean. The numbers were not great under pressure for him or against uh, blitz or any anything in this game, and they still decided to make that decision because it was it, they sold out to prevent just not the ball down, lit, you know, don't let any, don't gamble, don't do anything that could allow one on one to get anybody loose. Okay, again, I can I can understand that logic to a degree. However you still ended up with that one on one situation. And you had three guys at three extra guys back there and it still didn't get to be the situation that you wanted it to be. And that and that's tough. And like people are going to point to DJ James and that's tough because DJ James made plays to keep you in the game. To me, that is more of a what was what the the call was very questionable and the execution was obviously lacking. And you needed both of those things to combine plus Alabama making making a really good play at, at the perfect time for it to happen like they they have athletes they have great players and they they showed it on that play when it mattered most and for auburn it was once again in this in this season there are times in clutch moments and critical moments late in the game that they just weren't there yet this was just a very extreme example of it and i again like i said that is going to be guest and guest and guest forever and you know I'm sure every time that play gets rolled in future footage moving forward, Auburn every Auburn fan's going to be saying they only rushed two on that play, or how how did that only become a one on one, or maybe hey they pushed off or anything like that. But even then, like it, it just to to come up with something that improbable, it just ever a lot of things have to go wrong there. And I think from both a coaching perspective and a player execution perspective, it just did not it just did not go well at all. And and that's that's why Auburn's a loser today instead of a winner.
1: It was going to take a heck of a a football game, a heck of an ending to go, you know, we're we're this deep in the show. I don't think we've said New Mexico State like on on the show before, right? So you think about where Auburn was coming into this game um, and and the fact that, you know, if you had had told me before the game that, you know, you, you get a game where Auburn leads deep into the fourth quarter, you get a game with a lead change in the final two minutes, like I would have told you, it doesn't sound so bad. Is you know probably like on 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 the surface without knowing this is the uh the this is the you know the th- this is the end result a a fourth and thirty one that's going to live uh, for a uh, for for a long time as a as a memorable play. But no, I I thought, I mean for, I mean it, it's. I don't know. Like that's I, I, I Should we move on to uh, stuff other than the fourth and thirty-one? Like, because it feels I, like that's. I, I do want to
0: ask. I do want to ask Painter though his reaction and just kind of the the sense like after, like during the play after the play and just kind of the feeling that it took that for Auburn to lose to Alabama. But it, it again, it's it's what's important. This is a rivalry game. This is bragging rights. This is being able to have that have the big one over your rival, knock them out of the uh, out of playoff contention just like what painter just what is the last shoot 12 16 hours you know what what has kind of been going through your your noggin as 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 an Auburn fan
2: I don't know how much it registers in the same way that the kick six did but it it does it does give me at least a sense of what Alabama fans must have gone through that night
0: again it, it reminds me a lot of I think Roger McCreary was the guy in coverage on the on the in the game winner two years ago from Alabama. And it's like, yeah, awesome player, made great, made a ton of great plays in the game. People are going to like you always be connected to that. And that's that's the brutal life of being a corner. That's a brutal life of being a football player. Um, DJ James made a lot of plays and, and did a lot of things well. OK, so the other thing, the other big play that everyone's talking about from this game and rightfully so is the muff punt. So Auburn. Needed stops, so they go, it's 21-20, they take a long drive down into Alabama territory. They only settle for a field goal in that one, but it took up a lot of clock. They're up four, Bama needs a touchdown at that point. Obviously, they, they get it at the end of the game, but the defense needs to make stops, and those weren't all always easy to come by, especially in the first half. Auburn gets a three and out. They get a first down, only get orc a little bit of clock. They get a three and out again. On the three and out, there's a the punt return. It just goes terribly wrong for Auburn as the guy is trying to make a fair catch. It looks like his feet come out from under him, and it's fumbled and it's landed on. Like it is, it is like one of those. It's like the un- most unfortunate timing for a slip ever, Uh and it, unable to bring it in and. Alabama recovers, and obviously they go on that last drive that ends with the fourth and 31. Um, Auburn doesn't guarantee to win the game if they get that fair catch, but the way they were running the ball and the way the momentum was, maybe they're able to kill it off. Maybe they at least make Alabama go even further with no time left on the, you know, timeouts left, barely any time left to make the play. It was Coymore on the return. Now, here is where the confusion and a lot of post game. Attention is gone. So, Moore and Keontae Scott have been Auburn's punt returners this year. They both wear the number zero. When I was on the field at, during that play, I just saw number zero back there, and I saw a muff. I didn't know who it was specifically. I just remember it was a muff. Um, after the game, I look in the official stats, and it says it was Keontae Scott who muffed the punt. Okay. I see people on Twitter and I hear people in the stadium talk about Koi Moore being back on the punt. So I ask Hugh Freeze after the game, hey, was it Hugh, was it was it Keontae or was it Koi um, on the punt? And he said it was Keontae I went to an answer about Keontae. There is a follow up question asked where it's saying basically, no, it was Koi and Freeze learns in real time that it was Koi Moore. Now, why is that the case? the best guess and the best answer that I can give Freeze said, quote, was it coy? I thought it was Keontae. All right. I'll have to ask Tanner. That is special teams coordinator, Tanner Burns. It would have had to, it would have, would have to be Keontae must've taken himself out. That's not, uh, let me see if I can read that a little bit clearer for y'all. Keontae must've taken himself out. That's what it had to have been. Uh, it's basically what freeze is saying there. Um, to that point, as Nathan King uh, at Auburn Undercover pointed out last night, if you look at the plays after the muff punt, Keontae Scott is not in the game at nickel for the first couple of plays. He does finish the drive there, but it was Donovan Kaufman who started um, out after the muff punt at nickel. So, reasonably, people are asking why is it Coy Moore back there? Why is it not Keontae Scott? Why is it not the guy that has that has been their punt returner? Well, Keontae to Two Freeze's point, Keontae would have had taken himself out. Probably tweaked something, did something, and, you know, on that th- on that three and out. And that contributes to, you know, why that happened. And like you look at it and say, well, he didn't play the next two plays after the muff. That's probably what happened. I'm not a hundred percent sure that's what what's happened. That hasn't been confirmed that's what happened, at least that I can tell, but that's probably what happened. Um And it's unfortunate because it is your backup punt returner who has to now be the other guy in this that always gets pointed to at the end. Um, That's rough. And there's a lot going on on the sidelines, and Freeze was not sure of who was back there. That was not communicated at any point. I don't think that necessarily changes anything. I don't think they would have been like, oh, Keontae's not going. We need to sub somebody completely else in there. No, Coy Moore had been the other punt returner this season for Auburn. And then when Keontae came back from his surgery, he took over that job again. So, you know, I think there was a lot of reaction to Freeze not being aware who who that was by there. That one is a lot. I mean, that one makes sense to me. That one's understandable in the heated action on the field um, that, you know, oh, we set number zero back there and he muffed it. That must have been Keontae. Well, it, was, it wasn't Keontae. Well, that's news to me. And like that's, that's kind of how that, that worked out. That one, like fourth and 31, you can talk about execution. You can talk about play call and all that. For the muff punt, that is just, that is just a really, really bad break at a really bad time, you know, that you weren't able to make that play in that moment. And it had to be, and it was your backup part return instead of the guy who had been doing it all game, He having to come in cold virtually uh, because I mean, what more, more played on offense but you know we'll t- probably talk about this in a second like it wasn't like the wide receivers a lot of the wide receivers are getting a ton of action in this game that one is like that one always will will stick out cuz Alabama needed that to get it to get a chance to win that game and that one is just more of like boy that did you know the 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 chaos and the you know the 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 randomness and just the weirdness of this game in Jordan-Hare Stadium not working out for you. You did take advantage of a missed field goal earlier in the game. It, that was vintage Auburn and Jordan-Hare in, uh, in an Iron Bowl. But the special teams error on your side is the one that's going to stick out for a long time, and it's it's just – that's a that's a combination of just unlucky and just bad factors as much as self-inflicted, I think. You know, and I'm sure people have different opinions on the on the muff punt. Looked like he just lost his lost his footing as soon as the ball came and in, came into his area.
1: And and that's a play, I, th- I think, it's it's much more routine of a mistake or, or a or a kind of play versus the fourth and thirty one that Alabama converts. You know, with with the game on the line. Uh, And
0: to be be clear, the muff punt does not matter if they make the stop on fourth and 31. It's just it just
1: becomes, well, that was that that created more drama. And not to minimize the muff punt, but even if Auburn gets possession in that situation, you know, they they still need to produce on offense to keep Alabama from having a chance to, to 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 win the football game. Alabama had two timeouts, about four and a half minutes left. So there, were, there was still the possibility of Alabama getting the ball back with a chance to uh, to to win the football game. But you needed—I mean, obviously—would have helped Auburn run some more time off the clock and potentially salt the game away the way they'd been able to uh, to run the football. So that's a uh, yeah. I mean, there, there's there's two two really really tough breaks for Auburn that that take away what would have been a uh, a, a historic upset. We talked about. The oh, yeah. uh, you know the 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 last time there was one.
0: I mean, 0-2 is the last time Auburn beat a top uh, beat a, a ranked Alabama team as an unranked team, I believe.
1: Right, and this and this team is ranked higher, I believe, than that than that yeah. O two team uh, was. So this would have been a uh, yeah, it would have been would have been one for the record books. But yeah, instead instead uh, you you get uh, the uh, the the near miss uh, on the uh, and and yeah, the punt returns a big part of it.
0: Yeah, and again, you hate because you hate it because it's like there's nothing you can really do. Like th- there was a lot after the game when you were talking, like talking to players and, you know, the emotion and the, and the frustration and just the raw, just, you know, reality of everything setting in. And there's a lot of like, Hey, you know, what do you say after that game in the locker room? You know, what, what's going through your mind and all that. And, I mean, those are, those are things you always get. And it's just like, you know, as recently, like, like there's nothing you can say there. Like, you just have to just live with it. It is a bad, bad break, and you just have to accept it and try to handle it the best way you can because you can't change it. And But there's nothing anybody can say that make them feel better. There's nothing anybody can say that those guys who were on, on the field on that last play feel any better or the, the team that just saw a chance to potentially celebrate a historic win, a field storming, and, you know, Bragging rights and and all that to to have that hard fought game where you picked yourself off the mat from the New Mexico State game and you fought that hard and you gave yourself a chance to pull off an upset that would have, you know, I mean, I I think it, I don't want to, I don't want to make too much out of it. Like, could have made your season, like, it could have made, it could have been a point where everybody could have just said, like, man, when they think the 2023 Auburn team, they think, hey, you know, head ups and downs. Remember that when when they beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl and everything went, went nuts from there? Like, that that is what you had and then it was all ripped away from you improbably at the very last minute and it's just like I don't know you know good good I mean I think it's a good thing that har's not playing a game this week because I don't I mean that that's one of those things where you just you have your psyche just crushed and there's really nothing you can do to kind of pick yourself up off of that you just have to you just have to live with it uh and you know know that you played, played a hard game, played a pretty good game, still wasn't enough. And that, and that's just, what's cruel about, about the sport sometimes and sports in general.
1: Is there a play, I guess for, for both of you, we've, we've, we've analyzed the, uh, the, the touchdown at the end and the, and the, the, the muff punt, is there another moment or another play in the game that really stands out as, as, as something that you'll, that, that you know, that you took note of at the time or that uh, that, that you because because like I said, I mean, the the ending of this game overshadows a lot of what happened in the first three minutes and or th- three quarters and, and 10 or 10 or 12 minutes. Uh, but but it was still, I mean, a, a highly competitive and entertaining football game throughout. And there were there were a bunch of moments where it felt like, oh, this is this is a, a, a key point uh, that, that could that could swing the game one way or the other.
0: I mean the miss the miss field goal from Alabama felt like it was it was it was going from there, I you know I don't know if there was more of a and Painter asked this early like in the show like I I don't know if there's more of a uh a play or a, outside of the the those two that we just talked about or another I that that stands out I think it's going to be to me more of there's a there's a we'll talk about it here shortly the offense and how Auburn competed while being one dimensional for the most part against Alabama. That's the thing. We didn't think that was possible, especially if they got off to a slow start. Well, they said, well, forget y'all. Here's what happens. Um, They ran the ball really, really well in this game. And it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a, you know, two sided coin here for, for Auburn fans. It's like, yes, you did show that you have a running game that can give you a chance against a really good Alabama team. And that's, I mean, you had a chance against get Georgia earlier this year. But the flip side of that is against quality competition, Auburn just had nothing much in the passing game. And you feel like when you lose these close games, you think, man, if you could have had just a little more through the air, something more through the air, what could have been? And that's the thing that I think is going to stick when you look moving forward. Yes, it's always going to be a tough loss for you. Yes, you're always going to, you're going to think about those, those bad moments, uh, and 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 those and those plays at the end of the game, and how how you got your heart ripped out from you. The thing here is is that what are you going to do about it moving forward is the big question like how do you respond to this? And I think the game showed on Saturday, especially on offense, stuff has to change, stuff has to get better um because if you're that close with Georgia and Alabama without much of a passing attack, what could happen when you get get that passing attack? That's the thing that I think. Is going to be, I don't know the 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 fuel for Auburn's offseason move forward. Now they're going to have to do uh, the things all across the program and the in the defense and the roster and all that. But to me, it's this passing game project because too often this season Auburn just did not have it in the air against a quality opponent. I put these in the observations on, on on Sunday morning. So if you've heard these before, sorry for repeating it, but it's worth worth mentioning here. Peyton Thorne goes five of sixteen in this game. For 91 yards, the two picks, those are, you know, I I don't look at those as much as, you know, a really good ball, really good schemed-up play to Javarius Johnson. Javarius Johnson had a great game in this one. Became the first Auburn wide receiver to score two touchdowns in an Iron Bowl since 2014, Sammy Coates did it. That says a lot about where Auburn's been. But in Auburn, six wins this year, 8.1 yards per pass attempt, 67% of uh, completion percentage, 12 touchdowns, five picks. Solid numbers, you know, especially when you get it with a good ru- running game. Cal crushed UCLA last night to get bowl eligible, but they did not finish with a winning record. Alabama's six, I mean, I'm sorry, Auburn's six losses this year all came against teams that finished with a winning record. Okay. And when you look at the splits there, 5.5 yards per attempt, 55.9% completion percentage. Just three passing touchdowns in six games in the in the six losses. That's just it's just not good enough. And there are seven million ways to answer that question in the offseason. Is it is it Thorne with better talent around him at wide receiver? Is it another quarterback? Is it changing things up with the staff? Is like you there are so many different variables here at play. And we will see over the next few months which directions Auburn decides to go in and that is going to be a tough thing you know those are gonna be tough calls and tough decisions and a lot of hard work that's gonna have to be done for freezing this staff to get to a point where next fall you feel like Auburn can throw the ball against a quality opponent because too often this season they couldn't and while it did not keep them from competing against Georgia and Alabama it it, it's one of those things where you can say like do you feel like I mean Thorne was like two of ten in the first half in this game and he's just like do you feel like if you had more there in the passing game, and it's not just all on one guy, and it's not just all on one coach either. Everything's got to get better on that side, especially when it comes through the air, because you feel like you have a have a have a good foundation in the running game. You just need it in the passing game.
1: I think the Ole Miss example is a good one, where where I would think that Peyton Thorne uh, will be on this team uh, through the twenty twenty four season, and and if he's the starting quarterback, you know Auburn can hope that in his second year. Uh, he he can he can uh, have a breakthrough and and build on the best of this first year. I don't think that's going to stop Auburn from looking at quarterbacks when the transfer portal opens up. And if there's somebody that they I think can either. come in, if there's somebody that they think can come in and and beat Peyton Thorne out, uh, who who would be interested in coming to Auburn and being the starting quarterback in 2024, uh, I, I think Peyton Thorne could be in a competition in the spring. Uh, to to be the to be the number 1 quarterback on the team. Like I I would think there's no one on the roster now who is a serious threat to Peyton Thorn uh in in the spring as far as being the number 1 quarterback next season. I'd be surprised if someone yeah. on the team made a move. I'll
0: be I, I will be interested if he stays at Auburn. I will be very interested to see Holden Garner's progression.
1: I think I think Holden would be the most of the of the guys currently around. Holden would sure. be the most interesting.
0: There's only two guys. So
1: yeah. Yeah, of, of well there's there's hank and robbie and and holden right i guess oh, yeah. t- t- I I, I,
0: I, I, apologies to hank brown i keep forgetting Brown. because I, I, I so, he's, so, he's been a scout team guy no I mean, right that's that's so,
1: i just that's, i just want that's,
0: that's my bad that's my bad i i, I want to wanted to there.
1: i wanted to include all of the scholarship quarterbacks like yes in that, in that that's a,
0: a very good point my, so, apo- so, my my apologies i did not mean to minimize hank brown who uh the staff really really likes just, so, I have not seen much of him because he's been scout. He's been a scout team guy this year.
1: Although there is the question of with with a freshman quarterback already committed and coming in, if Auburn brought in a veteran quarterback, like that's a crowded room. If everyone oh, yeah. stays, I would be like, surprised
0: if everybody stays a quarterback for Auburn yeah. next year. But we also know like wide receiver play, like Javarius Johnson, good game for, for especially for an Auburn receiver in an Iron Bowl. That's pretty much it. You did have a third down completion to to Caleb Burton. That's pretty much it. He had a couple opportunities to throw the ball to 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 Rivaldo Fairweather that that didn't you know down the middle that ended up uh, working out for either. It, it's just it didn't feel the accuracy issues were there in this game against against talented defense. The pressure got there a lot. Um, he was under he was under duress a lot, had to scramble it. Now Peyton Thor deserves a lot of credit for running like a battering ram in the second half of that game and and doing really well making some throws, making some plays through the air even in the second half, but it's just you feel like Auburn needs more, and it it might be with Thorne as, as your starting quarterback, but like, there's just got to be more there. We do know that they're going to try to, I mean, again, this is another game where a classic traditional outside receiver just did not make much of an impact in this game at all. Um, Malcolm Johnson Jr. had a really good, had some really good blocks in this game. I mean, the, the big run from, uh, from Jark Wes especially, he did well on that one. Um, but yeah, like you've got Perry Thompson committed, you've got Malcolm Simmons and Bryce Kane committed. Those are all blue chips, you know, Perry Thompson. when he signs next month, as he's, as he's set to do, he'll be the first five-star receiver Auburn's had in a very, very, very long time. And one of the only ones I've ever signed composite, you know, five-star, I should say they want more. They're going to work like heck to flip cam Coleman. They are going to work like heck to flip Ryan Williams and potentially have him reclassify. Um, to this, and it, it could be if he doesn't flip either, that he ends up being a 24-kid instead of a 25-kid. They need that, and that's another position group where you could look at and say, transfer portal could be a big spot for them as well. Um, Auburn's going to have to change some things up on the offensive line. They're not going to bring everybody back next year. The protection's going to have to be better uh, throughout the course of the season for Auburn to be better. So it's like it's, it's an everything kind of thing. It's not just pin it on the quarterback. Now, quarterback plays a big role in this, and like I said, there is a scenario where Peyton Thorne, as a fifth-year starter, is your guy next season, but I don't think Auburn is just going to just put all their eggs in that basket and just say, we'll just load it up and move forward. I do think they are going to be interested in the portal with guys. Now, it's going to be interesting to see who is willing to come here uh, and and, and compete for that job, knowing that Thorne – could be around and competing as a, as the incumbent starter who's who's played a lot of high-level football. However, um, you know, I don't think there's going to be a situation where Auburn's going to sit here and say, this is your job and just hand it to him because they didn't do that with Thorne either. I mean, he had to go through a battle in, in, in the offseason, and it might be, Dan, like you said, the old Miss situation where, um, you know, for Auburn, you bring in more guys and compete and, and let the chips fall where they may. Painter, we've talked a lot about, you know, the last few weeks about the future of this offense and this passing game. What, are, what is your kind of outlook moving forward for that crew? Um, especially knowing that, you know, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit before we switch gears. Auburn's, Auburn's running game is pretty daggum good. Not the most consistent thing in the world, but, like, there is a foundation there. And Demari and Austin playing as well as he did on Saturday has to be a good sign for the future, if in case Jarquez Hunter goes pro early.
2: Much like the New Mexico State loss, the season as a whole is not an either-or. There are plenty of moments where, as a fan, you can be frustrated and feel like uh, they left something out there, given the way the last two games went. Certainly, there's a scenario in which you can go, Auburn should be 8-4. and That also does not mean that Auburn is doomed or that Auburn is not going to show more progress. The undercurrent of the entire season has been, be patient let Auburn stack some talent, give it two more years. As I've said, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if Auburn's in the top 15, top 10, certainly by 2025. Next year, you know, I go back and forth on just how difficult the schedule looks for Auburn because they get Kentucky and Missouri and Vanderbilt. But I I don't think you have to feel as if no progress is made without also feeling like it's it's fair to point out that Auburn made some pretty critical mistakes this season. And and maybe some of that's just to be expected given how much of a new roster they were working with and how tough of a schedule they typically play.
0: Yeah. I, I, again, I think for Auburn is the, especially last week and then, and then some of the games we saw this year, more talent's going to help for sure. And that's going to be the lifeblood of the rebuild. But like, there are also things Auburn's got to do better as a team, as a coaching staff, as a program in order to win these games. And I think the important thing, Dan, is like what they do moving forward, right? What they do moving forward is going to be key. The first year of Brian Harson's tenure, they lose an Iron Bowl. They should have won. And then that kick-started a nightmare offseason that everything went unraveled. And by the middle of season two, he's done. He's fired. Move on. I don't think Auburn's in danger of that, because off the field, on the recruiting trail, Auburn is much further ahead than where they were two years ago. But these games, these close calls, these losses, these missed opportunities, these ones that are going to sting and rattle around in your head for a while, you've got to do something with them. We talked about this with the New Mexico State game as well, and Auburn answered the bell like I expected them to in the Iron Bowl. But it's about what you do from it moving forward because they're going to have to be decisions made and changes made. And there has to be progress made because next year, what you did this year is not going to be good enough. And to talk, you know, with Painter, we'll see. We'll see. Anything can happen. But like to Painter's point, it, it is a schedule where you play Georgia and Alabama on the road and you have just not been successful there in more than a decade, like even come close. Um, in a decade uh winning those games there. And so that's why those two this year just feel like such big missed opportunities because of the goodwill and the and the rivalry wins and the and the amped up. Like you missed those shots this year. They're gonna be much tougher to come by next year. You should be better. Auburn is probably going to be a better football team next season. Um and should be a better football team next season, but like the road doesn't get as easy. So it's it's a tough spot to be in for sure.
1: There's a sequence I want to second guess a little bit, Justin, and that's I'm c- curious to know at the end of the first half in the Iron Bowl, did you think Auburn could have played for a field goal once they got to around midfield? Because we because we were we were discussing that like Auburn got to Auburn got to what about the 49 50 uh, at at the end of the first half and then ran a couple of plays that went nowhere and then throw the, the then they throw the, the the hail mary that gets intercepted. That was a sequence where I wondered if I don't know. Do you do you try to get? Do you try to get a little bit closer and and give Big Mac a uh, a, a shot at a bomb? The two, the two the two throws they made, um,
0: the two throws they did after that. They had eleven seconds left. Thorn and I don't remember the exact plays, but there was a play that Thorn threw across midfield, and then another one. There was a kind of a a shot downfield to Fair that went to the twenty three. And then it was, at, I, I don't think, I mean, it looked like they were being aggressive because they called time. I mean, they they scrambled, you know, Thorne scrambled or had that draw to get them into midfield, and then they called time. They were going to be aggressive. You know, I don't think it was a problem of they weren't trying to be aggressive. They didn't try to run it out. But, like, yeah, the, the plays that they tried to call once they got to midfield just didn't work. And what, even, what hurts even worse there is that you felt like Auburn had a position to control that middle eight. And, and do a good job, and then they score quickly, which is a great thing. And then they give up a touchdown quickly—that uh, that that you know that bad uh, bad coverage bust—and Jermaine Burton gets behind everybody. I'm so um,
1: glad you mentioned the middle eight there because I I really was worried. I mean, when Auburn when when, when Auburn gives up the well, well, Auburn scores to make it Auburn scores to make it uh, 14-10, mm-hmm. and Bama's got the ball going into the half. They got the ball coming out of the half. And there's a ton of pressure on Auburn's defense there because if Bama goes touchdown, touchdown before Auburn gets the ball again, like you, you worry, okay, if it's, if it's 24 14, the next time the Auburn offense has the ball in the second half, like what kind of game are we looking at? And Auburn does give up the long touchdown to Jermaine Burton. But I think the way the Auburn defense played to begin the second half was, was a, like they, they were able to keep this game competitive in a way where if Bama had been able to really start, you know, if, if that Bama offense had been able to start getting points on the board, they left points on the board in the first half. If they if they'd converted early, you know, the uh, the, the th- things might have started to, uh, to 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 get shaky.
0: Yeah, Alabama starts the second half, they drive and kick a field goal, and then they drive again and miss a field goal. So it's kind of been don't break, and then Auburn gets those stops on defense in the fourth quarter and isn't able to finish it off. Uh, obviously down the stretch but yeah i mean it's it's one of those things where i think auburn did a lot well in this game to give him a chance to win the running game is really impressive again Damari austin 10 carries for 85 yards Jarcos Hunter, fourteen carries for 93 yards thorne gets a lot of credit he had over 80 yards rushing himself if you take out the sacks auburn average over seven yards a carry against alba this doesn't happen Y'all, like this is very rare. You can think back to some really good Auburn offenses and say, "Oh yeah, they probably ran the ball." really. Nope, they didn't run the ball as as well. I think, uh, I think there was only one or two games in the Tupperville area where Auburn cracked two hundred against against Alabama. Again, even when Alabama wasn't that good, uh, and and Auburn teed off on them in that era by winning those games, you know, having that streak, they've done this in back to back years. Alabama, surprisingly to me, and I think we're seeing some of this. Uh we, we saw a little bit of this against Georgia this year as well. Um, considering, you know, Auburn ran for I uh, ran for 219 against Georgia this season. I, I Georgia and Alabama just aren't like the most fearsome dudes in the world up front anymore. Like that seems to me what's kind of been more striking right now. Like we talked about earlier this year. Jordan there's no Jordan Davis or Jalen Carter for Georgia this year. Alabama's got pass rushers. That interior defense is Something to you know that run defense is the fact that look, Auburn deserves credit for running the ball against Alabama really well. I thought there were several plays in this game, explosive plays where the line blocked beautifully. It's an inconsistent group, but when when they were on their game, I mean, this Auburn offense is going to finish the year or finish the regular season, I should say, with the number 20 rushing offense in the country by uh yards per game and number 32 in yards per carry, uh, among SEC teams. Uh, Auburn is going to finish the regular season number three in, uh, yeah, number three in 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 average, and then in yards per game and number five in yards per carry. By all, by, by all means, this was a good rushing attack this year, and like I said, Jarquez Hunter is draft eligible. I, I would, I, I'm going to be very curious to see what Jarquez Hunter does moving forward because he does not have the Tank Bigsby hype uh, as a running back prospect. This is the NIL era where you can make good offers, competitive offers, to guys who were considering going pro. But even if he left, you've got Demari Austin who has played, you know, played really well in that in that opportunity on Saturday, um, and has had some good moments in early in his Auburn career. You've got Jeremiah Cobb, Brian Batie could still come back. Uh, Auburn's going to try to add another running back potentially in this class. But if they don't, it's not the end of the world because they'll go all in on Alvin Henderson and maybe some others in 2025. That, to me, is just like, like Williams is really good at his job, <laughs> and this room is set up for a while. This rushing attack looked really, really good. There is a foundation here. There's something to build on. You just need to pair it with the passing game. I don't want to ignore the defense. I mean, like, the defense, you know... Had a hard time getting to Jalen Melrose. Gave up some big plays in the back end, obviously. They still put themselves in a chance to win. They got they got the stops they needed to in the fourth quarter. To me, the big wonder is like, what, what do you take away from this moving forward for Auburn? Again, is can you find the passing game to pair with that running game? Because if you can, you could have a pretty good offense that potentially could go on the road and be competitive with Georgia and Alabama next season. Beat some teams that are good football teams. You know, uh, I think I wrote it in the mailbag this past week. Like, is there any, like if Auburn gets the right pieces and starts to click on offense next season with the schedule, they got lined up. I'm not ruling out a season where they look like Missouri or Ole Miss did this year. Now we'll see how the, how it balances out. Cause Ole Miss and Missouri don't have to play Alabama and Georgia both, but you're talking eight, nine, potentially 10 if things break. Well type of season, especially when you throw in the bowl game for Auburn, like they could get in the mix. And Ole Miss and Missouri are both teams that would be playoff contenders right now, if we were in an expanded field. Auburn might just be a year or two away from that. They but they've got to get it done. They've got to go after um, the pieces, and when they do that, uh, you run it back in September and see and, and see what it's like. But they are heading in the right direction. Like I, and like I said, the Iron Bowl two years ago was a gut punch. And Auburn just never recovered after that, and the offseason spiraled out of control. I think from a culture and a team standpoint, and especially a recruiting standpoint, you were in a much better spot. But you need to be able to pick pick it up and move forward and like build off of this. This needs to be something that drives you to... You can't change the fact that you blew the 4th and 31. You can't change the fact that you lost this game. What do you do from it moving forward? Is it the motivate motivating factor to get you the changes you need to make and the improvements you need to make to be a contender long-term um, that's the case for, for Auburn. And until then you get to just kind of sit in how, uh, if you're a fan or a player, or a coach of, of saying like, man, what could have been all right, what can you do now moving forward? Cause that's, that's all you got right now is, is, is pushing ahead to what looks like a more optimistic future for Auburn, but nothing's guaranteed especially knowing that you go to Tuscaloosa and Athens next year. All right. We'll talk some basketball and talk some coaching carousel, because obviously this is going to be a longer podcast today. But first, let's take care of some business. Hi, everyone. Um, If you like this show and you want more of it, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer, auburnobserver.com. You get all the newsletters, all the podcasts uh, sent directly to your email inbox. $6 a month or $60 a year. Um you can also give gift subscriptions. We're going to do something fun with that, I think, in the month of December. So keep your eyes and ears out for that. Uh, but auburnobserver.com, sign up. This is going to be a crazy time. Uh, Monday, uh, I'll go ahead and say it. Monday, we're bringing back, by popular demand, one of the most – I think it's the thing that gets read and clicked on more than anything else I've ever done, and, and we're starting it early because, hey, it's technically you know, the postseason and off season already. Uh, The the 2024 Auburn Football Roster Tracker is going live on Monday morning. We are going to start sorting it out, and that thing's going to evolve and be edited and changed hundreds and hundreds of times over the next several months. So if you're a subscriber, you will get access to the breakdown and all the chart and all the stuff. So if you want a kind of a big-picture snapshot view of what's going on with Auburn in their roster process, because there's going to be a lot of moving parts here this offseason, subscribe to The Observer. You will get access to that and the breakdown there. That's going to go up Monday morning for subscribers. Uh, Also, we got basketball this week. We'll be hitting the road next week to go to App State. Looking forward to that one as well. Auburn plays Virginia Tech. We'll talk about that uh, here shortly. Um, All that stuff you can get at The Observer, auburnobserver.com, sign up. Painter, how else can they help us?
2: Rate, review, subscribe, follow the show wherever you listen to your podcast.
0: Yep, it helps us out a ton when you do. Um, just takes a few minutes to to say something nice, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean it gets gets the gets the show more in more in people's uh, eyeballs and ear holes, all that fun stuff. Um, let's see, we haven't read reviews in a minute. Let's see, we'll we'll, we'll save some of those for later. Um, I think since we've already run long in the show, also want to. Shout out our friends at HomeFieldApparel.com. Homefield apparel, the number one place to get uh, vintage collegiate apparel. Um, folks, this is a time to buy. It is extended Black Friday. If you're listening to this on Sunday, your Black Friday deal still holds up. You still have an opportunity um, to buy uh, HomeField at, at a great deal. Uh, and they usually run Black, uh, Cyber Monday deals and, and stuff throughout uh, the holiday season so be a great time to check out uh, homefieldapparel.com get all of your auburn gear get the official auburn observer t-shirt we're talking t-shirts hoodies sweatshirts uh joggers hats all that good stuff for not only auburn but everybody else uh, that you care about in the uh in the collegiate sports world homefieldapparel.com check it out uh, check out their uh check out their uh you know Black Friday weekend sale if you're listening to this on Sunday. And uh, go ahead and get yourself some gear from home field. All right, fellas, let's switch gears to basketball because um, this is this is turning out to be a lot more interesting game than I think we thought it was going to be at the beginning. Uh, Virginia Tech uh, comes to Auburn Arena on – or I keep calling it Auburn Arena – to Neville Arena on Wednesday – night uh it's late folks that is a 8 15 local time tip off don't we love espn and their sense of how time zones work Mm -hmm. and all that but uh auburn plays virginia tech on wednesday in the acc sec challenge when this game was scheduled dan we talked about this recently when this game was scheduled we were like uh, Virginia Tech, okay. Like you could have done a lot better. I think the you Obama's know, playing Clemson too. I felt like they could have done better with both of the schools here in the state. The closer we get to this matchup, the more this is this get like I as a matchup in and of itself. Might not have the name value, but should be a fun game.
1: Nineteen, what a nine 15 nine fifteen uh Eastern uh tip for for Auburn, Virginia Tech. Now there's school the next day uh, for both of these, uh, both of these programs, but you know, ESPN needs content. And, uh, to be clear, uh, the ACC and sec schools love the money. So they will, they will, they will schedule these games. Uh, when, uh, when, when the, uh, when, when ESPN, uh, tells them to No, we, we were thinking, you know, there, there were juicier matchups for Auburn in the, uh, in the sec, ACC challenge, uh, than Virginia tech, we were lobbying for Virginia as, uh, as Auburn's opponent at Neville Arena, but but Virginia Tech is uh uh they're 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 playing good basketball to begin the season, right? They are. They are indeed.
0: Uh Virginia Tech currently five and one. We're recording this on Sunday morning. Sunday afternoon they play FAU in the final of, of uh the ESPN events. Uh the ESPN events final. I guess that's what it's called. I don't know what it's the one that they play in Orlando. Now it's, it's been, it's been called a bunch of different things over the years. Um, They lost to South Carolina in Charlotte earlier this, this season, 79, 77, really tight back and forth game there. They beat Coppin state. They killed Coppin state beat Campbell. Um, They've been on a tear offensively scored 98 against Wofford uh, last week. And then in this this tournament they they put they put up eighty two on Boise State and then they put seventy one up which doesn't sound like a lot but it was against an Iowa State team that it just sells out on the defensive end it's a really really good team uh, especially on the offensive end Mike Young has now been at Virginia Tech this is now his uh, fifth year there uh, former Wofford coach. Uh, I'm just going to read it off real quick. Heading into the FAU game, this is where Virginia Tech sits in offensive statistics nationally. 22nd in efficiency, 38th in effective field goal percentage, 35th in turnover percentage, so they don't give, give it up a lot. 43rd in free throw rate, so they get to the line. When they get there, they hit them 83% from the free throw line. They're shooting 37% per, uh, from deep. That's 51st in the country. They're, they're 67th in the country in two-point field goal percentage. Um they have an assist rate that ranks in the top 10 in the country, much like Auburn, and their top 100 and three point rate. Uh, so, this is a team that knows what they're doing on offense. They are locked in on that end of the floor and they let it fly. They're 51st in D1 experience. This is a, a, they brought back a lot of players from, from last season uh, compared to most college basketball teams. This is, a, this is a tech offense that is going to come in and provide a lot. Uh, Sean Padula, uh, is is the name to watch for for them? Third year point guard, uh, he is he he went five of seven from deep uh, in their game against Iowa State the other day. He's shooting forty six percent from deep. Uh, Hunter Couture uh, uh, is a fifth year guy at Virginia Tech. He's shooting forty five percent from deep this season. They've got uh, another guy that comes off the bench who's shooting forty percent in Tyler Nickel, who was a North Carolina transfer, uh, MJ Collins. In his second year a uh, really good wing hadn't really been hitting shots this year uh, at a high rate but plays a good bit he's a really good defender as well uh, and then they've got uh, they've got a guy in in, in Lynn Kidd uh, who started his career at Clemson is now at Virginia Tech 610 he's one of the most efficient players in the country right now um, he is uh, 37 for 47 uh, on two pointers this year. And uh, is, a, is 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 shooting eighty eight percent for the free throw line as a big man, which is is pretty impressive. So I mean, offensively, they are going. Virginia Tech is going to give Auburn everything they want in, in this matchup. This is going to be a real test to see how much that defense has kind of improved because they did in Brooklyn, and then they played really well in the first half on defense against Alabama. Focus slipped in the second half, but I mean, this is going to be a real deal test when be one of the better teams Auburn plays on offense this year.
1: Mike Young uh, was at Wofford for like 20 years and his last season at Wofford, uh, he took them to the NCAA tournament. They won a game in the tournament. This was 2019. They were in Auburn's region in 2019. Wofford was, and they, they had Kentucky on the ropes in the round of 32. It could have been, it could, it could have been Auburn and Wofford in, in the, uh, in, in the 2019 uh, in in the 2019, probably would have been the Elite Eight. Wofford would have had to win the Kentucky game. They would have had to win another game. Uh, I think that that was Houston uh, that Kentucky beat to uh, to to get to Auburn in the Elite Eight. But we nearly got Bruce Pearl versus Mike Young in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago in a in what would have been a highly unlikely Auburn Wofford Elite Eight uh, matchup. But instead, uh, yeah, Mike Young now at Virginia Tech, and th- this is a guy who. Uh, he toiled, if you want to call it that. I mean, he he was he was at Wofford for I, I think it I think that was his first NCAA tournament win. Uh, was in year seventeen or year eighteen at Wofford, and they were consistently a uh, a a a high quality mid major team there. And you know I I don't know in this day and age of college basketball, the notion of building something is uh, is is really tough because you, you might have to deal with a new a uh, new roster of players every year. Uh, but I won't be surprised at all if Virginia Tech is consistently good uh, once uh, he's got his system installed and, and he's got everything in place uh, because it took him a couple of years at Wofford, but once they started winning, they didn't stop. Be interested to see how they do against FAU. Uh, for those of you who are listening to this podcast
0: later, you probably already know. I'm going I'm to try to keep an eye on that game uh, today and do a little early scouting of the Hokies. Defensively, I should also say Virginia Tech – Um. Not as great as a team on defense in terms of, uh, you know, percentage base. They they've they've given up a lot from three this year, but they forced turnovers, uh, top fifty in the country in that that area. Uh, that was a spot where uh, they've really kind of turned it around a little bit. They were not much of a a team that that forced turnovers last season. Now a good number of those are non steal turnovers, which is is, is key. Solid defensive team. Again, they're experienced. Uh, teams are having to really work for their possessions against against Virginia Tech. Um, you know, and and you look at the numbers, you know, they haven't given up 80 yet this year in a game heading into this FAU game. They've held some good offenses down a little bit below their, their normal spots. But beating Boise State and Iowa State in back-to-back days is pretty impressive, and uh, they're going to have a chance to get another quality win against FAU and even if they don't, they turn around and play Auburn on on, on Wednesday, and that's going to be a, a really big game. Uh, Painter, I I, I got a kick out of this because we were talking about this game earlier. But uh, as you say, uh, Burgo striking again. think of more ESPN than this one, but I could I could see I could see Burgo conspiring to get. Hey, give us a give us a tricky but good matchup here in the in the challenge. That that seems to be Auburn's wheelhouse.
2: I think that this man loves Costco. Good value. That's what he's all about. <laughs> Costco, Costco Mike Burgermaster. I like that.
0: Uh, Auburn, this is going to be a really interesting match. I'm very curious to hear what Bruce Pearl says about it. I'm sure he's going to be singing the praises of Mike Young and that offense because why not? Um, but this is going to be a really good game for Auburn. Like If they win this one, uh, it would be the best win they have this season by far uh, to date, and it would be on par when you look at the matchups. It would be close to what they're going to get out of USC here in a few weeks obviously Baylor's Baylor's a better a matchup but if you're looking at like on Kempom who is like around Virginia Tech level right now in the SEC it's Arkansas it's it's you know Arkansas they're not too far off from where obviously South Carolina beat them
1: um South Carolina looks improved earlier in the year how's, how's Indiana this year i keep meaning to check on that i know Indiana's uh uh i know team auburn's going to see in december so in, they play uh, in Atlanta.
0: So they play, uh, they play Harvard on Sunday. Um, they got beat by 20 to UConn the other night and
1: then, um, lost and then beat Louisville the next night. Um, I'd be tempted to, I'd, if I voted in this, I'd be tempted to vote UConn one. They can't shoot, uh, Indiana, can't shoot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, UConn UCon- looks really good again. UConn might be my, yeah, they might be getting my number one vote.
0: You know, when you win the national championship and you look pretty good to start the next year, that's usually that's usually a really good sign, uh, if you're if you're the if you're the Huskies. But this is gonna be a great test for Auburn. A great opportunity to pick up a win that would be a would be a very quality win for the Tigers this year and uh, building it moving forward because um you've got students are still gonna be here this week, so you should have a really good crowd amped up for this one. And then you go on the road for your next three, uh, App State next Sunday, play Indiana and Atlanta, and then you play UNC Asheville and Huntsville uh, before you come back to play USC. So this is really the last big blowout type of matchup for the crowd and the atmosphere and the students and all that before you get to SEC play. And this will be a a really fun game. I think uh, Auburn is going to have to play well to win. Um, They will be favored in this one. Uh, but again, that Virginia Tech offense, that is going to be a team that's going to be dangerous for all forty minutes, and I think that's going to be a really, really good test for this defense. And I know Bruce Pearl is going to be and his staff is going to be hammering that all weekend. And good for Auburn that they got a they got really eight days to prepare for this game because I think it's going to take that to, against this 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 Virginia Tech team that's going to be coming off of a you know not not a ton of rest coming off of a of a trip to Florida. Justin, are you making the trip to Boone? very cool i am i am yeah i'm looking forward to it um got my hotel room uh the other night uh shout out to marriott points uh and the good people of Boone, north carolina uh but uh yeah i'm looking forward to it it's a long drive um and i have a i have to get my car fixed uh this next
1: week but uh i looking forward to it good- it gets mountainous i don't know if you've been like in yeah the, the, there are i've been in that, that
0: area like Asheville in that area like that part of north carolina i have not been all the way up to boone though before um grandfather mountain that whole that whole spot i think i have been to grandfather mountain once but um yeah i haven't been to boone looking forward to it i've always heard awesome things about boone uh dan i'm sure you've been there before is uh, in your in your travels to troy and then maya uh, I believe my young my younger brother, when he was on staff at Troy, uh, went to went to Boone and really really enjoyed his time there.
1: Yeah, my visits to Boone have been in January, February, where there's been a lot of people. Like the there's been a lot of of ski tourism uh, in, in the area. You know, it's it's like we'll, we'll we'll be in the hotel lobby doing basketball stuff, and everyone coming in will have skis or snowboards or you know various toboggans or whatever it is you bring to. Uh, uh, to, to, to winter, uh, to, to, to winter stuff. Uh, Bella's is the Italian restaurant. Make note of that. There's an, uh, there's an outstanding uh, spot that we get food from, uh, when we go up to, uh, uh, to Boone, uh, that's a little, little hole in the wall, Italian place that, that just does that serves really good food. But yeah, I think you're going to like that trip. That's a, that's a neat town.
0: Yeah. Looking forward to it. And I'll be there for that one. Virginia tech, obviously. We got a lot coming up, a lot of travel coming up. But even though football season is coming to an end, we will see the bowl destination real quick. Want to say this before we go with the way the game shook out on Saturday, Auburn again. The uh, Auburn has beat the Birmingham Bowl allegations. This is a year. <clears throat> sorry, this is a year where the SEC is not going to fill all their bowl slots because State and Arkansas and Vanderbilt and South Carolina and Florida all did not make a bowl this season. Um, I think. NCA, I think uh, FBS was three short this year of bowls, which means JMU and Jacksonville State both get in this year. Uh, so uh, you hate to you hate to have to do it on a technicality, but at least those get, those teams are going bowling. I think Minnesota is the other team that's going to go bowling as well this year. Um, there are that Auburn's going to be in the pool of six, as they call it, for their uh, for their bowl destinations, and here are the picks you can make uh, here. So we won't know until next Sunday, but it'll be one of these six options. We see Uh, Liberty, the Liberty bowl uh, in Memphis, the reliable quest bowl in Tampa. I originally tweeted it was Orlando. That was a mistake on my part. It's in Tampa, Uh, the Mayo bowl in Charlotte, the Texas bowl in Houston, the Gator bowl in Jacksonville, which we've talked about as one that Auburn hasn't been to in a very long time. That feels like a good candidate for that one. And then back to the music city bowl in Nashville. Auburn could end up in any of those six. The SEC and usually works with the bowls and the other conferences to try to maximize how many people are going to show up for these games uh, to get you know revenue up and all that good stuff. So Albert could end up anywhere. There will be projections. People like Jerry Paul makes projections. There are places all over that make bowl projections. Here's the thing: after the New Year's New Year six, it's mostly guesswork unless you know for sure where 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 teams are going because they've accepted bids or have certain strong tie-ins. That's just that's just how it is. Um so, keep that in mind. Uh we will know next week. Uh probably around the time Auburn's playing basketball against App State when where where the football team's going to be laying it in the bowl game.
1: You mentioned it's been a while since Auburn's been in the Gator Bowl. I think it's the 70s the last time Auburn played a, a a Gator Bowl game. I believe it's the 80s since Auburn last played uh, in the Liberty Bowl, right? You got to go you, you got to go ways back uh for Auburn's uh last last appearance in that bowl game as well. So I think a couple of those six I uh, have not had Auburn uh, in quite some time. Sounds like the the uh, you know there are a couple of projections uh, that where a consensus seems to have formed. Kentucky not going to to Music City probably the Mayo Bowl would be the the one that that people feel comfortable. Pro- that it seems like SEC East teams uh, end up in uh, in in Charlotte more often than not. So yeah, I mean, it, and I guess Houston would be the one that I'm seeing more than others as far as Auburn's uh bowl projection in in the last couple of days so uh, i i would guess if i had to think now i would guess texas as uh as auburn's uh bowl game uh that that would be a uh, sort, sort of sort of if i had to to, to spitball uh, i'm gonna
0: go I, i'm gonna go gator as my official prediction and, and knowing good and well that it could be any of the six i'm gonna how, go gator I, how I'm much just, how I'm much just, of that just, is just leaning gator
1: how much of that is a desire to go to that place? Uh, the, the, oh, the very morning. little, very little.
0: I mean, I, I don't really care of, of all the destinations. You know, that's not, you know, I'll go anywhere and cover this team anywhere. I don't love Tampa. I don't love Tampa as a city. And I've done that multiple times. Um, and if Auburn goes back there, I'll do it again. Um,
1: I feel like I hear I t- that from some other Auburn people where like the, the, they'd rather their, be their, in Jacksonville. Yeah. Their bowl projection has to do with like the city they want to go to.
0: Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I'm not a fan, so I'm not you know, I, I just have to do my job wherever it is. Um and so I think I'll say Jacksonville just because it's been so long since Harvard's played there, it makes geographical sense for for the Gator Bowl to get probably the closest team that they could get, right? You look at it like Georgia's gonna be in the New Year's six and um Florida's not making a bowl game, you know, or obviously, you know, Georgia will be in the playoff. Um I don't know. Just it makes sense. It makes sense geographically to to put it put them there, and then figure out the rest around that. So I'm going to officially go Gator Bowl, but I know good and well that uh, I could be dead wrong because what it like a few uh, the the year they went to the Music City Bowl, it was like everybody was convinced it was Texas Bowl, uh, and everybody like there were people at Auburn who was saying yeah Texas Bowl, and then like at the last minute I'm like nope you're going to Nashville. Sorry guys. Um, so yeah, I mean it could all come to come down to something like that. Real quick before we go, it's already been a long show. The carousel we're spinning, we there's going to be some new faces in the southeastern conference uh, next season, but we don't know, we don't know. However, who is going to be the head coach at uh, at the uh, at the Texas A and M University, a uh, place where Auburn will host A uh, and M next year? They are not. You look at you look at the schedule for next season. They're not playing Mississippi State, so if it is indeed uh, Jeff Lebby at, Miss, at Mississippi State, Auburn will not face them next year. They will face whoever's the new head coach at A and M. Arkansas is keeping Sam Pittman, which why I don't know. Uh, sounds like they're kind of just punting on on twenty twenty four. Which thanks, I guess question mark A and M. Saturday night, it was the it was reported by several outlets. Hey, it's gonna be Mark Stoops, who just pulled off a really impressive win over Louisville uh at Kentucky. And I and I said this on Twitter, and I don't know, Painter, I don't know if you're with me on this one. I see the stoops today in M news, and my brain just not doesn't know how to react to it. I was just like, huh. Like, what? What is that? Like, I I, I couldn't sure. good or bad.
2: Yeah. And I understand putting myself in a Texas A&M fan's shoes going, we paid how much money to get Mark Stoops? But I do think that it's a little bit rich of Texas A&M fans to think that they are above Mark Stoops. It is not a splash hire as (laughs) as it might have been if you went out and got a Dabo Sweeney, you know, which hilarious wish they would do that or or Ryan Day. Yeah, right. I mean, that's and, my new—that's my new joke answer is Ryan Day. And this is my where joke never could made, be serious. This is where it never made a lot of sense. Lincoln Riley, I think we would also accept yes, as an answer. Yes, They, yeah, let's they, do they that. were naming Riley. people that 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 would be leaving better situations. I understand Lincoln Riley's under a little bit of pressure right now. The same could be said hilariously of Ryan Day, whose overall record is excellent. He just keeps losing the most important game on the schedule. People are yeah, so just, upset. I, I, can I, I interest that... you in a? Can I interest you in a Chip Kelly right now? Maybe right. after after the.
1: Whoa! Said...
0: <laughs> hey, as we're recording this, Dana Holgerson out at at, at yeah,
1: Houston. Yeah. Another another guy who's who's been under fire of late did not go uh, the first year in the Big Twelve. A lot of those you new additions. It, Gus
0: Malzahn, the Grim Reaper. To your point, it, Painter, it's like my brain could not compute the whole Mark Stoops A and M thing because it was like it, it, he. He did more with less, so you put that in a place that has more f- resources, and then it's like you just came out from a coach who did less with more. So, like maybe you fl- do you you know you hire your ex because I think the opposite of Jimbo Fisher is a Mark Stoops type of type of character. Uh, you know, I'm thinking like uh, I'm thinking like, oh yeah, And they're gonna get back to like playing Junction Boys football. It's gonna be the fight Naggies. They're gonna you know they're gonna play like you know Smash Mouth football out there again. Yeah. And I was like, fit wise, recruiting wise, like I don't know how that's going to work, especially with Texas and Oklahoma coming in. Then apparently there was either cold feet or a revolt from the fans and the boosters said, we are not paying that much money to to get uh, to get Mark Stoops and and now A and M's still open as we speak. Stoops is a, a staying at Kentucky. I'll say this: Auburn does play uh, UK next year in in Lexington. I think Marcheips has one of the best jobs in the world. He just can just be solid too good and uh, be paid like a king in Kentucky, um, because they were not so good for so long and like all that, all of the anger, all of the angry attention in, in Lexington always goes to the basketball program. It's the best job they can build him a statue uh, when it's all said and done. It would have been really weird for him to go to a And M because it's like that's not a great job for him. Uh, you know, he's leaving a awesome situation to go to a not awesome situation similar to maybe a little bit, maybe not totally similar to former Oregon state quarterback, Jonathan Smith, leaving his alma mater to go to a tough situation at Michigan state. That just shows you big 10 money, the uncertain future of Oregon state. I mean, it is, that can get you a lot because Michigan State is a mess, both as a program and as a university. That is a tough situation for Jonathan Smith, who is a great football coach to be walking right into and leaving his alma mater for.
1: But they know, at least in the case of Michigan State, they know who's on the schedule next year, right? Oregon State is still, I mean, to retain a coach when you're not sure like like who's even, like, who's on your schedule next year, what league you're playing in, whether or not. Uh, it, it'll be it'll be taken seriously at the top level of college football. Well, it's 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 a tough situation, Oregon State's in. Uh, on, on Mark Stoops, when I'd heard that that A and M was hiring Stoops, my brain didn't immediately go to Mark. Like I, I mean, when I when I heard that they were thinking about making the move to Stoops, I mean, I I, I guess it makes sense there with Mark Stoops. And it is interesting, former Jimbo Fisher defensive coordinator Mark Stoops. Uh, at Florida State, that was where he was before Kentucky hired him. He was he was Jimbo's DC, and Mark Stoops was also the DC. Justin, on one of your favorite teams ever, uh, that 2007 Arizona team with the quarterback who uh, who, who blew his leg out. Uh, that was a that was a Mark Stoops joint on uh, on defense. I mean, his pre-Kentucky uh, career is uh, is is interesting and does make you wonder. You know, if given the resources of a superpower. Uh, would would mark stoops be able to uh uh to to produce results more in line with what texas a&m wants i i i don't know i was i was stunned to hear the news last night and now the retreat or uh uh reconsideration uh by one or both parties uh m- makes this sort of yeah that that's i mean i guess i was already in a fog trying to process Fourth and yeah, 31. Yeah, right. Uh, but, but yeah, I was in no condition, no condition of, to analyze Mark Stoops going to AM. Now it sounds like we're not going to have to analyze Mark Stoops going to AM. Meanwhile, Indiana just paid $20 million to fire
0: uh, Allen, Tom Allen. That's a lot of money for Indiana football. I don't know who Indiana is going to get to be better. They're not going to be complacent, I guess, and that's good not to just punt on the whole program and let let just apathy set in. But, wow, the Big Ten and the SEC have more money than everybody else, and it is showing here in this, uh, in, in this carousel. And uh, A&M, that A&M move is just going to be really wild to see. The Ohio State thing is still funny to me because it's like, Ryan Day is really, really good. I think I could be really good as Ohio State's head coach, too. But it's like, who are you going to get rid of? Like, say you get rid of Ryan Day or Ryan Day leaves you. Who are you going to get that you can guarantee is going to beat Michigan? Nobody. Like, you can't make that that guarantee. And so it's like this high stakes game of like, all right, well, you know, would, would- will they, won't they? Um, I think it'd be funny if Ryan Day just was like, you know what? I'm tired of everybody getting mad at me for not beating Michigan. I'm going somewhere else also kind of thought that's also the genesis of my Dabo Sweeney to to am thoughts but I guess I'm just now I'm just now trying to put everybody who is just like got championship caliber like right a, cha- a championship caliber resume but might not be a 100 settled at their situation just being like we'll go to we'll go to am and that's where I guess that's where like I guess Lincoln's there but even Lincoln hadn't really got there yet as a head coach
1: I think if you're Ryan Day, you hold on to that job for dear life because it's it's a head coaching job at a bona fide superpower. And I'm not sure Ryan Day, if he leaves, necessarily walks into another head coaching job at a superpower because a lot of his body of work is based on what he's done at Ohio State. And it's worth pointing out he inherited a situation at Ohio State where they had been winning a ton uh, before uh, he was the uh he was the head coach. So, yeah, I think it's uh, uh it it's interesting how that you know they they think they think they're capable of more, but I mean, in this case we're talking about an 11 and 1 team uh that that would be would be in a in a 12 team college football playoff. Yeah, it's it's wild. Painter who's going to be the A&M head coach?
0: If you could if you could drop somebody right Elko?
2: there.
1: So, apparently Elko
0: was in line at Michigan State like they really wanted him and Elko said, "Hey, I'm staying." And I don't know if he's staying because he wants to stay at Duke or if he's staying because he's holding out for the AM job. But like, I don't know, man. Like, and I think Elko would be a great hire there. And Elko at least makes more sense to me in my head than than Stoops does. I I I need AM to do something crazy with their money though. Like, if you're gonna have all that money and all and all that insanity because you've never won a championship and you're desperately chasing for it, do something. Do something wild. Do so. Try to get Mike Tomlin. I don't know. Just like, 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 do some, try to get, try to get John Gruden out of retirement. I don't know what you do. Like, do something.
1: To, to me, the big question with the Mark Stoops thing, though, is did Ross Bjork try to hire Mark Stoops and was he overruled? Because if that's what happened, that's what it felt like. If, well, if that's what happened, then who's hiring A&M's coach? Oh, it's never the AD. It's, it's never, never just, it's, it's never just yeah, the AD. Right.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, Especially with a place like AM where you just have millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars lined up. Like, yeah, you you but, ain't where the money. You aren't where the money is.
1: But when when AM uh, – well I guess I guess Tennessee would be the example of a search really getting away from a program, right? When they when they tried to hire Shiano and the, you know, the the fan revolt led to Tennessee getting cold feet and backing away from it. And I believe the AD got fired amid that search. Tennessee made the change to Fulmer uh when when they end up with Jeremy Pruitt in in that in that coaching search but that's i mean you you don't want you, you don't want sort of visible fractures between different parties in a coaching search and an AD being overruled on a guy after reports had leaked out that that he was the choice uh, you know that that's 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 how it can appear from the outside
0: yeah i just i i, I keep i keep thinking back to like what what Ohio State's doing and what AM or what I state could do, and what AM could It's just, it's so insane what this, what this sport uh, sport is becoming. Um, the fact, I think somebody pointed out, I think it was Matt Brown who pointed out the fact that Indiana can pay that much to fire a head coach and they don't have enough NIL money to put together a really good roster is kind of crazy to me. Um, it is a different type of money, though, obviously, but man. It's going to be nuts, and uh, I think Auburn's going to be pretty, pretty happy they're not a part of this carousel this year. And they went ahead and got it out of the way. And again, like we said, the Iron Bowl was a gut punch, but at least, uh, at least you can say you can point to some things where you, you can use it as motivation and fuel to go in the right direction. Because you know it, it would be hard for Auburn to repeat the off season they had the last time they were in this situation against Alabama. Um so we'll see. We'll see. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, roster tracker, basketball, all that good stuff. Arvinserver.com. Check it out. $6 a month or $60 a year. If you haven't already, we email everything out to you. You can give gift subscriptions. Great thing to do this time of year. That'll do it for me.
2: Painter, final thoughts? Dan what are we watching this weekend uh give give the folks at home something I, here if they're listening to this on a sunday what can they watch to how about, lighten the mood
1: i got one i'll answer your question painter but i got a question for the two of you both of you i got i got one so if so ted turner uh owned cable networks and decided he was going to show a christmas story uh 24 hours as part of as part of because he owned cable networks and he could do these things uh they've continued the tradition they now show elf 24 hours a day during Thanksgiving as well like that's a new a new wrinkle for for Turner Broadcasting. If Painter uh, and if Justin, if you guys owned your own cable network, what film would be shown 24 hours a day at some point like during the year and and why? Is there a movie that you would say, you know what, we're going to have 24 hours of this for for this occasion.
2: I think I'd do planes, trains and automobiles at Thanksgiving, and I think I'd do Family Stone on Christmas Eve.
0: I'm going to pick a random day of the year. Um, maybe we can come up with some significance to it. I'm going to pick up a random day of the year where for 24 hours we are going to play nothing but Blazing Saddles because we want to make sure that everyone on this planet has had an, enti- has had an opportunity to watch what I consider to be the funniest movie uh, ever made. That's that's my pick. I'm going to uh, we got to figure out someday, but it will be blazing saddles day on my on my network. Uh,
1: I would I would lean towards the Shane Black Christmas films, your lethal weapons, your kiss, kiss, bang, bang, uh, the Iron Man sequel uh, he did, which which oddly takes place around Christmas. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang is probably the one that I would I would really lean to uh, the most. Maybe maybe that's what we're showing 24 hours of for uh uh, for Christmas uh, maybe the nice guys maybe we're just showing the nice guys yeah. 24 hours just you know, do it
0: just do a Shane black Marathon
1: just picking yeah just just having Shane Black day on Black Friday ha ah, how about that maybe on Shane blacks uh, maybe, maybe we'll do that on, on Black Friday and and I would also Justin maybe I'd be tempted to show Santa Claus conquers the Martians uh 20, 24 hours a day on uh, uh you know what one what of, one of the one of the great holiday films uh, out there if if anyone's ever seen it and and you know what uh, painter to answer your question. If you if you haven't seen one of those Shane black movies I mentioned nice guys kiss kiss bang bang um he's uh and, and he even last action hero which is a weird Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from the early 90s that that he's one of the uh credited writers on um yeah ch- check out uh, uh Shane Black's unique mix of of action and comedy
0: I'll say if you want to pick me up watch the nice guys uh, that is the one I can uh, you will definitely have a good time watching that if not to just you know there is a scene in the nice guys and you will know it when you get to it where it's 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 about it feels like it's about 10 minutes but it's about a minute of Ryan Gosling doing one thing without any dialogue spoken and it is one of the funniest things I've ever I've ever seen so check it out check out the nice guys because we're nice guys
2: when your day is long